right, everybody, welcome to Wednesday night service. Amen. How's everybody doing tonight? Yes, we are blessed to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night in December of 2021. God is so good to us. It is the most wonderful time of the year. We are celebrating Jesus. But hey, we do that every day, don't we? We don't even need a special month for that. We celebrate Jesus every day. Let's go ahead and we're going to stand up together tonight. And we're going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America. And I want to uh, shout out, I was just looking on the live stream comments. Our soldier, uh, Corey, that just got uh, restationed in Korea, is joining us online tonight. So we say hi to you, Corey. Amen. Amen. We're uh, glad to have him joining us. We miss Corey and we love him. All right. Well, praise God. Let's go ahead and we are going to speak some words of faith over the United States of America together. Amen. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give God some praise tonight. Hallelujah. You may be seated. All right, we've got a few announcements to get to here. And uh, I'm telling you, it is busy season. We have got a lot of stuff going on. So I want to remind you, first of all, that the toy drive that we're doing for On the Rise Foster Agency, uh, that we're going to need all the toys in by this Sunday, December the 12th. And so I encourage you to get involved with this if you can. Um, we really want to bless these kids and give them an awesome Christmas. So what we need is brand new unwrapped toys brought in by Sunday. There's a collection bin right back there by the info booth. Bring those in and we are going to get those over there on Monday the 13th and make it a very Merry Christmas for a whole lot of kids and let them know that Jesus loves them and that they are cared for. Does that sound like a pretty good thing to everybody? Yeah. All right. Also want to remind you uh, that the bookstore, uh, everything in the bookstore is 20% off for the whole month of December. So this is a great chance to stock up on uh, some some good books for you, but also to give some good Christmas gifts. And what better thing could you give than something uh, from the Word of God in there? So let's go ahead and remember that. And then my next announcement is this. Are there any ladies here tonight? Well, all right, I'm going to have my mom come up. Now, I saw a few dudes raising your hands. No, 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 no. All right. So, mom is going to tell you all about the women's meeting this Friday, the women's Christmas party. And my gosh, we have a lot of ladies coming. I know that much. 69 so far. Okay. So, 630 in Victory, bring a soup salad, and I forgot to mention a dessert. So you know us ladies have to have the dessert, too. So make sure you bring your dessert. Come a little bit early because you need to uh, get your tickets for the drawings. There's a free gift for everybody. If you have not signed up, see Susan right after the service. This is your last chance. Cutoffs tonight after the service. So make sure that you sign up. All right. There 
There you go. All right. Very good. So it is going to be, uh, it's going to be the event of the, of the year for the high desert. That's what I heard. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, praise God. Ladies, get to that. And then here's the very big one. It is an awesome day. It is going to be Sunday, December 19th is our church Christmas service. Amen. It is our biggest day of the whole year. And so I'm going to try to have some invitations available on Sunday that you could pass out this week, but that where the children are doing uh, their Christmas play that day. And of course we get a great big Christmas dinner right after the service for everybody. And we have a gift for every child that is present in the service that day. Okay. So uh, let's bless everybody and be here. And speaking of that day, I need the sign up sheet, Rob to go around. Uh, listen, we're going to have a lot of people. We need a lot of food. Okay. And, um, we've got, we got off to a good start. Um, but we need a lot more food. So brother Robert is going to pass the, uh, the food sign up sheet around. Uh, you could sign up to bring something that day and we want to feed a bunch of people and, uh, we don't, we don't want to run out of food. Now we know that Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves and he would do it again, but why don't we just bring it in ourselves? You know what I mean? So praise God for that. All right. And then also uh, our Christmas Eve candlelight service on Friday, December 24th at 6 p.m. Love it. Again, one of my favorite nights of the whole year. And uh, it's a short service, about a half an hour long, give or take. Uh, we get together. We read the Christmas story, sing some Christmas carols, and have a wonderful time together. Then we send everybody back home uh, so you can do what you do. And I know what you do. You do what I do on Christmas Eve. You watch It's a Wonderful Life all the way through. Come on, somebody. Yeah, amen. Like, hey, no one's got time for that. You've got time for it. It's a, it'll change your life. That's a good movie. It's a wonderful life. Praise God. All right. And speaking of wonderful, I don't know if anybody knew this, but we have a pretty decent online following going now. And uh, our number one online follower lives in Virginia. But she flew out here with us tonight. This is, we call her Cookie, but this is Cookie. <laughs> she watches every service. She goes to online Bible studies with us. She doesn't miss anything. She, I mean, she's more faithful from Virginia than some people are that live in Barstow. So I'm like, hey, come on. Hey, if that hit close to home, you just do with that what you, what you want to do. But I'm just, I'm laying it out there, okay? So anyway, but we're really glad she's with us tonight. Amen. Hey, Cletus came to give her a hug. Look at that. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, whatever. All right. Praise God. Well, who knows what time it is now? It is happy time, friends. It's happy time. And you're like, well, what's that all about? God loves a cheerful giver. And so uh, we're going to do our tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. And the ushers are going to get one to you. And we're going to open up our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs 21 and verse 26. I'm in the NLT here. Proverbs 21. And we're going to look at verse 26. And this is a, just a great verse for giving. Proverbs 21, verse 26. Now, all the godly people love this verse because godly people love to give. Well, how could you say that? Well, the Bible says that. Proverbs 21, verse 26, it says, Some people are always greedy for more. Anybody know someone like that? Like, there's just never enough. They're never satisfied. They're always greedy for more. They want all they can get. But look at this. But the godly love to give any godly people in here tonight yeah you love to give no one has to twist your arm nobody has to give you a guilt trip nobody has to beg and plead 
when, it, when it's just on your heart, when God's been good to you, you want to give back to others. And I absolutely love that concept. And, you know, we're trying to teach our kids this because you got to teach the kids all this stuff at a young age. And I was so happy. Uh, someone told me the other day they paid my son Isaac. Uh, they paid him $40 to do a big job for him. And and then I was, I was happy. And then someone else told me he went and he took one of those $20 bills and gave it to somebody else. And I'm like, that's a 50% give. That's that's pretty good, buddy. God asked for 10%. You gave 50. And so, but I'm encouraging us when God's blessed you, you want to give, you can't help it. You want to, you want to help somebody else out. And so always remember that some people, they're always greedy for more, but not the godly people. They don't just like to give the godly love to give. Can I get an amen tonight? Yeah, let's stand up together. Praise God. We are going to speak some words of faith over our giving. Amen. We're going to speak some words of faith because everything we do, we do it by faith. Anything that's not of faith is sin. That's what the Bible tells us. So we want everything to be by faith. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to worship at the altar with us as always. Let's sing. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. We sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, we give you praise, cause you inhabit the praises of your people, you inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. Sing our praise. Our praise becomes your house. Your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, our praise.
Jesus becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. We sing, and we sing a song, and you come and make a dance, and you come and shout your name, and you come and give me praise, and you come and sing a song, and you come and make a dance, and you come and shout your name, and you come and give you praise, because you inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people you inhabit the praises of your people you inhabit the praises of your people we sing we sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give me praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give you praise, cause you inhabit the praises of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people you inhabit the praises of your people yes you inhabit the praises of your people our praise our praise becomes your house your You are 
so glad that we're not down here by ourselves. It's so good to know, although we can't see you and we can't see Jesus with our physical eyes, with the eyes of our spirit, <laughs> by the eyes of our faith, Lord, we know that you're right here with us. We know that when you came to church tonight, you were with us on the highway and on the streets. We know that we leave, you're with us because you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And we're so grateful to be born again, to not be afraid about the future, to not be afraid of what's going on, because you're always with us. And Lord, we know the highest level of faith is to believe your word and do what it says, even if it doesn't feel like anything's happening. We know that's what our faith is working the greatest. And we thank you as we look at the word tonight, as we fellowship with you, we're all going to see something that we need to see to help us live a more victorious Christian life than ever before because the world around us is in deep trouble. But, Father, we know you've already delivered us from evil because that's part of the prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil. We've been delivered. But, Father, we thank you now that we are sent to help deliver others and we're going to receive answers tonight so we can walk in our authority as believers and be a light to this world because you said, let our light shine that men will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for freedom, freedom, freedom in you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Woo! You can be seated. Wow. Amen. Well, that was a demonstration of Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus said, you pray, go to your prayer closet and pray to your Father. That's seeth in secret. He rewards you openly. And, you know, we as believers have to know that our prayer closet's not a physical place. It's a spiritual place. And wherever we are on your job, in the midst of a business deal, sitting in the doctor's office, wherever you are, you go right to that prayer closet anytime. And when you close your eyes and close out the world, things around you, all of a sudden, you're living in that place that he called the secret place of the Most High. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we close out the cares and the things around us. We walk right in there. And so I have to be cautious when I'm up here praying publicly that I close my eyes and I forget where I'm at. I kind of start to get lost in the spirit. But, you know, I'll tell you something that I, that I learned a long time ago. If you want to know a pastor's heart, pray with him. And when he's in that place and opens his mouth, What's in his heart comes out. That's the same way with the ones you love. If you ever want to know where somebody's really at spiritually, just pray with them and let them pray. And when people let the Holy Spirit get a hold of their heart and they pray, you know what's really in their heart. And so you can see my heart's desire is for Christians to grow up, for Christians to do what Christians are supposed to do, be the light of the world. 
Amen. So anyway, I'll stop there so we get to preaching. But I want to show you something out of the bookstore first. Called Growing Up Spiritually. Growing Up Spiritually. It's books like this that helped me grow up as a Christian. I was born again in 1980, and I fed on a lot of Brother Kenneth Hagin's books and a lot of his things. And these books helped me grow up. And we're kind of going to be talking along those lines tonight about how to become a stable Christian. But I was praying this morning uh, about what he wanted to say tonight. He wants Christians to be stable, to be consistent, to be disciplined, to not be knocked around by everything that blows against them, but to be able to be Christians, to not to walk in victory. And so as you turn to Luke chapter 21, verse 19, is Dylan here? All right, he already left. That's why I didn't get any good cheers. He's one of my best cheerleaders. Luke chapter 21, verse 19. Okay. And if you're taking notes, write this down as the title of the sermon. And this, this I could have made this as a, as a statement, but I put it down as a question. Because we've all got to answer questions about our own lives. And, uh, you know, the Lord told me years ago to tell the people that this year is not going to lend to success or failure by chance, but by choice. Choices you make. You know, we've still got about three weeks left of the year. You can still have this year turn out a whole, better, a whole lot better than it started by choices you make. And also, your life. And Christians have got to know this. Your life will not end. It's success or failure just by chance, but by choices you make. And, you know, I just uh, I think about my life. I started off my life in a, in a sinner family, a heathen family that just really alcohol, meanness, thugs, bootleggers, and things like that. But 28 and a half years old, I made a choice. And I've stuck with that choice for 42 years that I was going to follow Jesus. I wasn't going to be a religious person, just did religious things. But I was going to read my Bible, go to church, and do what Jesus in the Bible told me to do. And that's called me to be stable all these years. But uh, the, 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 the question that's the sermon title is this. Do you want to live a stable, victorious Christian life? That's a question you've got to think about. If your life has been wishy-washy, if your life's been unstable still, although you love Jesus, but you've still been a very unstable person, we get you fixed tonight. Just list of things we talk about. So do you want to live a stable, victorious Christian life? And I think that everybody sitting in here, that everybody watching, I know that I don't know how many people in Virginia are watching tonight because we've got Virginia here. But, uh, but anyway, I know that there's about to be people in Virginia watching us, and I know we're even over by the bamboo curtain now. So that's nice to know. But anyway, everybody has got to answer that question and then put action with it. So Luke 21 Verse 19 says this, Jesus, this chapter leading up to verse 19, Jesus talked about end times, he's talking about all these fights going on everywhere. Is there any countries right now messed up and fighting other countries and having riots and turmoil and having people, leaders against the people, people against the leaders? Well, that's always happened in other places, but out of 70 years of living on earth, myself for 70 years being on earth, and now 42 years of a Christian, I can say, in my wildest nightmares, I've never seen America like this. I was born right after World War II. I was raised in the rock and roll 50s. Then the early 60s, the Vietnam War. Kent State, if you don't know what that was, that was a bad time. 
and then, uh, then the, the, all the riots we had during the Vietnam days, Watergate, and all the things I've seen, but the times we live in now is on steroids compared to the things I saw in the past. And so anyway, that's the stuff Jesus talks about at the start of this chapter, how bad things are going to be. But then talking to his disciples, how many of you consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus? Hey man, if you're a disciple of Jesus, he's telling you what to do. And so he says, make sure you watch Facebook, CNN, Fox News, the internet every day to build your faith up. Oh, well, that's what the devil said. Jesus said, in your patience, now look at this. He said, possess ye your souls. In your patience. He said, you possess your soul. We're going to talk about that. But I, and talk about the stable part. Let's talk about how to be a stable person. A stable person, I looked up definition. I really like this. A stable person means that you're sane and you're sensible. Stable means to be sane and sensible. And I like this part, and I hope this applies to you, and this next part, if it doesn't apply to you, I'm glad you're here. And if you're watching out there, I'm glad you're listening to this. The next part says, not easily upset or disturbed. Not easily upset or disturbed. And you know, uh, the way the way I know one way to say that, the best way I to know it, is if you go to the doctor and you get a bad report on a health issue, you say praise the Lord. If you get if you if you get a good report, say everything's okay, you say praise the Lord. You know the last psalm, the last psalm, Psalm one fifty says, "Let everything that has a breath praise the Lord." And so, no matter what's going on, whether you're broke, whether you have abundance of money, you say praise the Lord. You know, a stable Christian, you never know if they're going through a bad time or if they're going through a good time. You know why? Because they're stable. They're not easily moved. They're sensible. They live by faith and not by sight. They don't get shook up. You know, I just, man, I don't like to knock Facebook and stuff like that all the time. But, man, it's so goofy when you got Christians that love Jesus get on there, and they ask goofy heathen people that don't even know God, say, pray for me. And then the people that have nothing to do with Jesus say, send in prayers, huh? Oh, well, i got to get off of that one. You need to be stable. You need to be stable. And you know, there's nothing wrong starting off your Christian faith if you don't know how to pray, if you don't know what to do. But if you're a Christian that goes to a good church, and we're a good church, but there's a lot of good churches, that you go to a good church that teaches the Bible, that teaches the words of Jesus, if you went to a church like that for a year, you ought to be getting some stable going in you. You ought to be getting something happening where you recognize you can't go to the unsaved world to get the answers for your problems. I'll tell you what the dumbest thing a Christian, a husband or wife could ever do that go through marriage problems is ask stupid, unsaved people that don't know God. Or go through financial problems to ask somebody that doesn't tithe 10% of their money to Jesus. They're never going to help you. You need to go to the Bible 
and that's where your stability is going to come from. Anyway, he's telling you right here, in your patience possess you your soul. Now, I want to give you some definitions because I'm a Bible teacher. That word patience there means to be constantly consistent and consistently constant. You need to be constant and consistent with your church attendance, with your Bible reading, with your praying, with how you conduct yourself when people doesn't see you, with you, how you conduct yourself when people do see you. You need to be the same. Whether people are seeing you or not seeing you, there's two people in the spiritual realm, or two, two families, I should say. You got the God family that always sees you in the spiritual realm and nobody else can look at you. You got the devil. And Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place to the devil. And so there's things that you do when nobody's watching. Well, the demonic family's watching to see if they find an opening. And then the God family's watching so they can bless you. And so you need to be consistent. You need to be constant. And then uh, I believe one of the main character traits of a victorious Christian is one that has developed good spiritual discipline and habits and sticks with them the rest of their life. Sticks with them for the rest of their life. And, you know, I think about my life. You know, the ones that know me, in, in 2000, in January, well, actually January the 1st, 2018, I was diagnosed with blood cancer that had, my, my cancer, the doctor said, was 70%, my blood was 70% cancer. I didn't have much blood that was good blood, wasn't working. And I was thinking, as I was worshiping the Lord just a few minutes ago, I was thinking, about what I was going to preach. And I was thinking, if I hadn't been so constantly consistent all my Christian life and developed spiritual discipline and had great reserves of the Word of God and faith built up in my spirit, I'd have died because I went into automatic pilot for about a year. Automatic pilot, because of my spiritual discipline and preparation all those years, helped me not to be shook. Doctor told me, you know, what was going on like that? All I could say, well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, my healer. This is a chance to prove how good God is. That's what's going on. And I get reports that they wasn't good. And then in the midst of that, that year, I had a heart attack, 99% blockage of my right coronary artery. You know what I said? Well, praise the Lord. Jesus is good. Mercy endures forever. And the only reason I'm telling those things tonight he said, if I hadn't been so constant and consistent since 1980 of feeding my spirit on the word of God consistently before I was a preacher, been in church every time I could, going to special meetings, special services, and like we talked about, talked about last month, our anniversary month, we got married November 27th of 1982. As soon as we said, I do, we got in our car and we drove to a Dr. Lester Summerall camp meeting with some of the faith generals of America, teaching the word of God. And uh, we was up there three or four services a day, every day for six days is how our marriage started. Well, somebody said, well, did you do anything else? Yeah, we went to breakfast before we went to church. <laughs> and we stopped at Denny's and had, had pie and coffee when we got out of church at nighttime. But no, what I'm saying is this, I attribute the victory I had over cancer and heart attack to my stability. And you know, like that book we showed you, Growing Up Spiritually, I'm showing you how to grow up tonight. You've got to be constant and consistent. We're going to look at some verses that's going to show you how to do that. 
And, and, so, and so it says, uh, in your patience, being constant, consistent, it says, possess your souls. And so your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And you've got to be in control of your mind, will, and emotions. In your patience, possessing your soul. And, uh, you know, anybody that knows me knows I'm not a sports fan. I'm not against sports. It just never fed into my lifestyle. You know, I, you know, if I'm around people that watch basketball, I can watch it. And every once in a while, I even see the ball. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to keep up those guys. And I've been to a football game a couple times. And at a football, it's always been safe to be on football stuff. I'm way behind by the time something happens. And I find, oh, there's the ball, because I get ready to hike it again. And then I see it, then I'm like that. And then the next round, oh, there it is. I spotted the ball again. But anyway, the Lord gave me, I said that to say this. The Lord gave me an example a while ago that I think you'll get a hold of. I know this phrase from sports things. While the blue teams, they're in possession of the ball. That means they got control. Jesus said, you need to possess your soul. In other words, you need to get control of it. And then he told me this. He said, whoever controls the ball controls the game. Whoever controls your soul controls your life. Jesus talked about the end times, all the turmoil, all the fights, all the plagues. He talked about the plagues and diseases and pestilences in the end times. Talks about the earthquakes and the bad weather things going on. And then he said, in your patience, you possess your soul. Don't you get moved by all the COVID things, lockdowns, mask mandates, all, this, all the things going on. He said, don't let that shake you. You possess your own soul. And so a question for you is this. Who controls your mind, will, and emotions? Circumstances? Other people? Demon spirits? Jesus has given us his name. He said, in my name, you cast out devils. He said, you speak to those mountains in my name. And they have to obey you. And we're talking about your life. Do you want to be a stable Christian? You want to be a victorious Christian? Well, a number one key to that is you possess. You control your emotions. I remember when my son, Pastor Dave, got diagnosed with leukemia when he was three and a half years old. I was teaching healing school already, and uh, so I was already a, a Bible teacher. And he's three and a half years old, got leukemia. I remember I had a couple couple of other believers with me. We was up at the hospital. It wasn't the children's hospital yet because we had to go to a big people hospital first. We didn't know how serious it was. And the doctor came out after doing their test, and they told us, said, everything indicates leukemia. He was crippled and had leukemia. I, I remember what I did. I live in an earth suit. I'm a spirit being. I have a soul, my mind, will, emotions, and I live in a physical body. So when the doctor said that, my flesh got hit, my soul got hit, and I started crying, got upset. I don't know how long it lasted, five minutes, ten minutes, just, ugh. And then, it's, I mean, just quickly, it came to the left, and I went like this, like I rolled up my sleeve, my spiritual sleeve. I said, okay, now we're going go to we're gonna go to war. Yeah, put him to the children's hospital, went in there long, because two weeks later they said he was healed. But the whole thing was, I was a stable Christian, I wasn't moved by crisis. I was moved by the word of God. I was moved by what I believed. 
And so I already knew what was going on. But because I do have a soul, it got hit. But I didn't let that take over. Say, oh, no, what are we going to do? I was so strong in what I had put in my heart through the Word of God over all those years. I knew exactly what we was going to do. Number one, first thing I was going to do was lay hands on him and come against that leukemia and call healing in. Then the next thing I did, I couldn't wait to get to church. I got him right to church on Sunday. I took him in. James 5, 14, 15, 16 says, Is any sick among you, call for the elders of church. Let an anointing fall in the name of the Lord, pray the prayer of faith. Got him right in there. Got the hands laid on him. Got him anointed with oil. I just did what the Bible said to do. And then we went through all the medical procedures, what we had to do, et cetera, et cetera. But the whole thing I'm saying is this. We wasn't shook by the diagnosis because Jesus and his word is real to us. And something else I want to tell you what the Lord told me years ago that I say all the time, you've got to get this. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. There was no denial that he had leukemia. There was no denial that I had blood cancer. But it violated the word of God that God gave to me. He said, lay hands on sick, they shall recover. That changed it. He said in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, I'll have whatsoever I saith. If I doubt not in my heart, but I believe it. And so my spirit, my heart, did not doubt that Jesus meant what he said. He said, lay hands sick, they shall recover. And so faith in Jesus at his word changed. The blood disease was real. The leukemia was real. But then God's word will always show up under the microscope. When they do the lab, when they do the lab work, they do the tests, the x-rays, and all the, all the fancy stuff they do now. I, I was in all those tunnels to make all the noises and everything. I don't know what they call them now because that's history. But they do what well, the MRI, CTC, and all, whatever all that stuff is. I was in all those things there. They saw it, but then they didn't see it anymore. They saw healing, 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 healing. Faith didn't deny it. Faith changed it. And so in your lives, you've got to know that. These things that come against us are real. But if you live out of your soul and not your spirit, they'll overwhelm you. You have got to control your own soul. You've got to control your mind, will, and emotions. And just know this. Emotions are real, and they're for a purpose. You know, the way I saw it with your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, your emotions are like this. Sometimes if you're going through a crisis, then you can break down and cry, cry, and cry, and that's like a fuse God gave you so your physical body, your mind won't blow. And so you can't be a zombie and a robot because I've seen Christians that are so messed up in their faith life, they think they can never show emotions. If somebody that you know is sick, it's okay to cry, but they can get over and get into faith. If somebody that you love is going through a divorce, the problems at home and stuff like that, man, it's okay to cry with them. The Bible says cry with those who cry. Laugh at those who laugh. It's okay to use your emotions. If somebody you love dies, man, I don't know what kind of person would not cry if a loved one dies, except I've seen religious people think it's a sin to cry. It's not. God gave you emotions to be used, but he did not give emotions to control you. Hey, man, you understand what I'm saying? He said you 
possess your soul. You control your soul. Don't let circumstances life overwhelm you. And so anyway, you can control your destiny by controlling your soul. You control your destiny by controlling your soul. And so I want you then to look at verse 26. And talk about the end times. He says, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things that are coming on the earth. That's talking about watching all the social media sites, all the cable news and all those things, since which are looking at watching those things. Well, Jesus said you're supposed to keep your eyes on him. Hebrews chapter 12 says keep your eyes on Jesus, looking away from all that will distract. And it says that for the powers of heaven to be shaken. And so if you're, if you're consumed with secular news, your heart, your faith, will fail you. might actually have a heart attack, but the thing is, a lot of times we talk about the heart and the Bible, we're talking about your, your, your spirit. Your faith is going to fail if you're consumed with the news. You know, if you're, if you're having a, a uh, overcome by all the bad news, maybe you should declare a fast. Now, you're going to fast that for a season. And then when you fast it for a season, you're going to find out how much better off you are, and then you'll just do something like watch headlines. You know, just I, I know I like to watch the headlines off my phone. I see the headlines, what's going on, and if a headline catches my, my attention, I might read more of the story. But I've come to find out that all those things are basically the same thing. And it's John chapter 10. It's the thief stealing, killing, destroying. Jesus comes to, to give life and that more abundantly. And so I know I have to read the good news more than the bad news because I want to see the good things Jesus is doing, not be consumed with the stealing, killing, destroying. You know, there's not hardly a headline you see is not the same thing with the devil. They don't say this, but the devil still killed, destroy here today. Here's what he did over here. Here's what he did over there. And you start watching that stuff. Man, your faith is going to fail you. Somebody said, amen or oh me. Amen, amen. Look at verse 33 and verse 34 then. And again, this is Jesus talking to us as end time believers. He said in verse 33, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Well, what, what happens if a person say they passed away? That means they died. He said, my words aren't going to die. The word of God's alive. He said, all these things you see, and you know, I think about it. I think about the politics. Out of my 70 years, I've seen different politicians rise and fall. And some people thought, uh, well, this is the Antichrist. You know, this person running Congress, this certain man, they got to be the Antichrist. And all that stuff. Well, then they're out of here. Then you get the next one in. You say, glory to God, this person acts like Jesus. They're, they're living for Jesus. And so these politicians, they come, they go. They pass away. Laws come and go, and they change. Newspapers come and go, but the word of God has never changed. Jesus said, my word will never pass away. If by his stripes you were healed, then by his stripes you are healed. Amen. If love never fails, then love never fails. If you bring the tithe to the storehouse, he rebukes the devourer. Well, tithe is still real. He's still rebuking. And so all those things are real. You've got to focus on the good stuff. But anyway... Look what he says next then. And take heed to yourself, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares. That's worries of this life. So they come upon you. So what he's saying is this. You've got to put top priority on feeding your spirit the word of God and not allow life to snuff out your spiritual discipline. 
You notice all those things he said there? Don't get caught up in the partying, the running around, all the worries about worrying about money, worrying about family things, worrying about jobs, worrying about the future, worrying about COVID, worrying about who the next president's going to be, worried about who the Congress is going to do about laws and things like that. He says, don't get caught up into that. He just got through telling you what to do. He said, the word of God's not going to pass away. He said, these things are going to change. And you know, I know that one thing that I've learned in my own life, I tell believers a lot of times when something bad's going on, what are we going to do? I said, life happens. That's called life. If you're living, life happens. I had some things I had to deal with this week, took up two of my days. I'd rather, I'd rather be doing a whole lot of other things than take care of a crisis for two days. But I had to. You know what? I wasn't shook. I just praised the Lord through the whole thing. I got the victory today. Glory to God, things changed. But I knew what to do. I'm a stable Christian. I knew what to do. Mrs. Pastor Day, we got to walk around downtown Barstow for a while. I said, let's just hold hands and praise the Lord. This thing's, turned. This thing's changing. So we just walked around just praising Jesus, loving Jesus, thanking him like that, and things changed. That's what we do. We didn't blow a gasket because of how things look. And, you know, I don't know if you ever noticed it, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says things that are seen are temporal, temporary, and subject to change. And so when I look at that, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 4, and 5, some good verses for you. When I look at that, I think about life, that when I'm in a crisis, I always know this is, going to, this is going to change. It's either going to get worse or going to get better. I'm the one who determines what's going to happen. And so during the crisis, I determined, since it's temporary anyway, that it's going to get better. This is going to change. Amen. Are you getting a hold of any of this? It says, don't be caught up and be distracted with life. Life happens. And so you've got to develop the spiritual discipline and the habits to do what the Bible says to do. Now I'm going to close with one more verse, probably two, but, but look at James chapter 1, verse 4. James chapter 1, verse 4. Is Alex back there somewhere? I recognize that, that whistle. That's almost in the key of P. <laughs> in case anybody don't know, that's our old joke. I, I don't do very good with singing on the right keys or notes or anything like that, so they say pastor's got his own key, the key of P, pastor key. Hey man, that's the key of P. I sing in, I whistle in, and I don't know if I'm preaching that key or not. I'm preaching the anointing. <laughs> James chapter 1, verse 4. And here's the patience again. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And so I want to point out some words about this that you'll get about the patience. Remember, patience means to be constant, to be consistent, to have your spiritual habits and practice them every day, the habits that you develop. And so the Holy Spirit talks about patience. Perfect here, that first word perfect means mature. It said, let patience be constant, have her perfect work so that you may be perfect, so you may be mature. You're mature when you're constant and consistent about spiritual things. That's a sign of maturity. And entire, and the word entire there means complete. It means complete. And so I wrote down a paraphrase in breaking this, per, this verse apart out of all my years of teaching the Bible and learning what this would say that we can understand. When you develop a lifestyle of being constantly consistent 
that consistently constant in your personal Bible study, personal Bible study times, in having your personal Bible study times consistent, and prayer life and church attendance, and living in life what you know to do, you'll be a mature and complete believer, lacking nothing that God says in his word belongs to you. It says lacking nothing. And so when you develop your prayer life, your Bible study life, and your Bible study life is not reading a two-minute devotional while you're fixing your hair and drinking your coffee and running to the car. You know, uh, I, I think about this. So many times Christians say, well, I just don't have time. Well, do a time study then. I used to do this. I'd do it till i get myself straightened up if I was getting off course. Just get your piece of paper and write midnight, one, two, three, four, five, through there, and beside it every day, write what you're doing. And you're going to find out you've got time to do a lot of things that are just time stealers. Amen. So you develop those, you develop those Christian habits. And then verse 8, I'm going to close with verse 8. And I think this verse 8 uh, will put the icing on the cake. I think this will be a climax that really wraps this up to help you because it helped me years ago. Verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable. A double-minded man is unstable in what? All his ways. Have you ever noticed that unstable people are unstable across the board? But stable people are consistently stable across the board? Well, anyway, back in 2005, we went through the process of seeing what Jesus wanted us to do in the ministry, pastor for years, we knew there's a change coming. The Lord gave this to me, and over a period of weeks, what I'm going to share with you in just a minute, took a period of weeks of talking to me and telling me what this meant. And so, uh, look at this. If a double-minded man is unstable, then the Lord told me that a single-minded man is stable. Double-minded man is one day you're believing, oh, God gave me that job. Well, the next day, I don't know if God gave it to me. Well, the Lord told me that she was going to be my wife. Well, next time you see, well, I don't know if she's supposed to be my wife or not. It's the same thing about any other thing in life. When you get stable, you're not up and down on what you believe. You get a hold of it. You're not moved by circumstances. You're not moved by feelings. You're not moved by other people's opinions. And so the Lord told me that if a double-minded man is unstable, then a single-minded man is stable. So I was hanging on, I was hanging on to that. And then a couple weeks later, he told me what a single-minded man is. Are you ready for this? I'll come back next week and I'll tell you. <laughs> Just a joke for you about there, Virginia. Oh, no, Virginia's here. <laughs> no, no. Then he told me this. He said, a single-minded man, and you need to write this down in your notes, you need to write this in your Bible, and you need to get a hold of this. The only way... A Christian could be single-minded is to be word-minded. If you're word-minded, you're always believing the same thing, and you're not going to be moved. You're going to be stable. You know, I, th- I look at Dave over there. He went to a big cancer fight thing, too, and he won. But I tell you what, Dave's a man. Amen. Dave is a man of God.
Dave is a man of God, got a hold of the Word of God. He heard his pastor teach, plus all of his own study times. Jesus become real to him as his healer. And through all the battle he went through like I did, I stayed stable because I stayed constant on the Word. I stayed consistent. If by his stripes I was healed, First Peter 2, 24, if by his stripes I am healed. If the elders of church prayed the prayer of faith and he healed the sick, then they prayed and I was healed. I stayed single-minded through the whole thing. Went through chemotherapy, went through tests, all the things. Sometimes the results wasn't that great in the numbers they were showing me. I stayed single-minded, and I kept on saying, I kept on confessing. There's going to come a day, they're going to look at that microscope, and they're going to say, what's a 1 Peter 2.24? I've never seen these numbers. What's a 1 Peter 2.24? Well, here, look, what are we seeing? 1 Peter 2.24. That's the word of God. By his stripes, Bernie Samples was healed. I stayed stable, not unstable. I stayed single-minded. That works for relationships, works for financial things, works for children things. Anything in life that you want to have victory in, you stay stable by staying single-minded. And then somebody comes up to you and says, but yeah, what about this? You say the word of God says, by God supplied all my needs, so they're met. The word of God said, train up my child the way he or she should go, and they'll walk in it. My children are walking in the light of the Lord. You're stable. You're stable. You're stable. You see what I'm saying? And so uh, I'll go back as I'm closing right now. We're going to close this. Always ask yourself, what does the Bible say? Not what do other Christians say. Not what does your preacher say. What does the Bible say? And then, we you know what the Bible says? That all you have to do is say, well, then that's the answer, and I'm sticking with it. That's my answer, and I'm not changing. The Bible says the needs are met, they're met. The Bible says I'm healed, I'm healed. The Bible says things are done, they're done. And so, leave you with the question, do you want to live a stable and victorious life? The choice is yours. Develop your Christian habits. And if life takes over, man, get rid of those things that are still in your time and jump back in. Be a Bible person, be a church person, be a prayer person, and do what you know to do. According to the Bible, you're going to be stable in all your ways. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Well, Virginia, glad you're here. And I, I, I hope you liked what you got live. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. Actually, we call her Virginia, but uh, she's cookie. All right. We need some men to help set up tables and chairs and victory for the women's meeting after we get finished here. But, uh, you know, I just want to say this. We believe in laying on our hands because the Bible teaches it. You know, laying on our hands gets people healed. Lay it on the hands and parts blessings. Lay it on the hands does a lot of things. If you need hands laid on you for any reason, then come up here. We want to lay hands on you and pray for you. And, uh, you know, we, we can't cast out goofy, but we cast out devils. And so if you've been goofy and unstable, and it's just you, we can't cast that out. We can lay hands on you and get you filled with the Spirit to help you. We can do that. But anyway... Life is a choice that you make choices, but if you want to just 
let us lay hands you just, just to speak blessings over you. We'll be glad to do that. And then you just do what you know to do, and God will do the rest. Amen? Amen. Cause I know you'll make a way I don't always understand I don't always get to see But I will believe it I will believe it Cause you make mountains move You make giants fall you use songs of praise to shake prison walls. I will speak to my fear. I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then. You'll be faithful now. Standing on your word A calling heaven down to earth You will fight my enemies This will end in victory And I will believe it Yes, I will believe it Cause you make mountains move You make giants fall You use songs of praise To shake prison walls I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt That you were faithful then You'll be faithful now Yes, you were faithful then You'll be faithful now And I know that I know You never fail Oh yes, I know that I know You never will And I know that I know You never fail Oh yes, I know shake prison walls and I will speak to my fear I will preach to my doubt that you were faithful then you'll be faithful now yes you were faithful then you'll be faithful now
Praise the Lord. Well, who's been blessed tonight? Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, again, I'll remind all you ladies that the, the big party is Friday night, so be there if you need a ticket. This is your last chance. See Susan right after service, and we need a few good men to go lift a few good tables. Amen. So if that's you, you know who you are. Uh, we know who you are, too, so we'll track you down. But either way, it's all good. We can do this the easy way or the hard way. Let's just make it easy. You know, you're young, you're strong. Go lift tables. God wants you to do it. All right? Praise God. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out in prayer tonight. And then we are going to speak some words of faith over our great city of Barstow. Yeah. You know, I was talking to someone recently, and they were just saying all this stupid stuff about Barstow. And, man, I heard this and I heard that. You know, what do you think about it? I'm like, I love that place. It is my dream to live there. So you can, I didn't say this, but you can shut your trap because I'm not going to hear that. Amen. I love being where Jesus told me to be. There's no place like it. Amen. All right, let's raise our hands, holy people, and we're going to pray the word of God. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we have seen in your word tonight. And, Lord, we know that we can be stable, consistent, victorious Christians. And, and not only can we be that, it's your will for us to be that. So I pray that we will take the word that we have heard tonight, God, and we will be single-minded. Our mind is fixed on the word of God, and we are stable in everything that we do. We Thank you. We love you, Jesus. And we know, Lord, that you're going to use us the rest of this week to be the light of the world everywhere we go. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. Hallelujah. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great night.